0: You would see that person step out of the house, and as they went to the next box, the next person came out of the house. And you could actually look down the street and see almost a sequential line of people coming out to check the mail. The neighbors also agreed one another. It It was a social event, but also handwritten letters were in the mail. And it was always an exciting time to go see, is there anything but bills and flyers? Because people actually wrote letters. I think one of the things when we come to this portion of the text that we can fail to appreciate is this. How exciting it would have been to have been receiving a letter from the Apostle Paul from his imprisonment as the church would first unroll the scroll and begin to read. Uh, To capture that, in other words, their heart was linked with Paul. And they would have wanted to know, tell us the news of the day. And first of all, how are you? What's happening with you? And you can just sense your heart going out. And even as the letter was read, uh, Paul goes through some initial greetings and thanks for the church. His prayer that comes before this is worth three messages. I could never even do it in the introductory part. But it's just fantastic. And then Paul moves right into kind of summarizing the the key news of the day about him. And that's where we are in Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to begin at verse 12. And this morning we're going to read through verse 21. So if you have your Bibles, that's where we'll begin. Uh, This is more important than anything I preach. This is the word of God. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 21. I want you to know, brothers... Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be At all ashamed, shame. But that with full courage. Now as always. Christ will be honored in my body. Whether by life. Or by death. For to me. To live is Christ. And to die. Is gain. It's a reading of the word of God. Notice the first point in the news of the day imprisonment hasn't stopped the powerful gospel from going forth. Uh, I I placed myself there in Paul's shoes and wonder if I would start with how well things were going. (laughs) He's in prison. Uh, I don't even do a cold well. (laughs) I I just tell my wife I know I'm a (laughs) whiner. And, and when I, I get a cold, just common cold, uh, through those days, I, I, being laid low just doesn't sit well with me. Seems like days are forever until you, you get over the, the worst of it. Thinking about being in prison, and, and to hear Paul say, uh, first of all, these wonderful words of encouragement don't worry about the gospel. God is doing amazing things even while I'm in prison here. What's happened to me, he says, has actually caused the gospel to spread throughout the whole imperial guard and all the rest. Uh, I want you to consider this. Paul is in prison. People are watching him every day. Imagine watching Paul. Visitors are coming. He's speaking to them about the gospel. He's talking about the progress of the church. He's writing letters. I'm sure that every single Roman guard that ever took care of him said this, we don't get guys like this very often. (laughs) The impact of this unusual man who's here imprisoned for this Jewish Messiah who he says is the Savior of the world who's been crucified and is now risen again. This is an odd prisoner. He's weird indeed. Notice the. The scuttlebutt around the prison is this. This Paul and this Jesus that he talks about. And it's being conversed around the whole Imperial Guard and all the rest. That Jesus is the reason that Paul is in prison. And Paul is watching the spread of the gospel and realizing this. Here I am locked away and God is still blessing the gospel. Uh, it had to thrill him to realize as others would come. Perhaps even asking questions about the gospel. Hearing more, talking about themselves. You, you could just see Paul watching and say, Isn't that like God? Now, me being locked away and Paul being locked away would be two totally opposite things. Think about Paul, the missionary church planting man. His heart was to spread the gospel in every place in established churches. He, he was not at all a person who would be the scholar who simply sat off in the room. Paul was a doer. He was an active, from the time the Lord transformed his life onward, Paul was an active agent to simply spread the gospel through all the known world. And now, this person who's that personality type is placed in a position where he's not able to do what comes naturally for him to do. Have you ever realized that the reason we have a large portion of our New Testament is because God set Paul down? Imprisonment is still serving you today because during that time, Paul wrote letters to strengthen and establish the church, and they fill the back portion of our New Testament. In fact, it's a glorious thing to realize now, the gospel's still spreading because Paul got sent to prison. What we are reading today is a letter that came out of Paul being sat down. And thus, this communication has to be in written form and through that, we get these wonderful letters from prison. Paul is absolutely elated with the gospel. They're talking about the gospel. The implications is God is using Paul's life to impact those around him so that the gospel is being spoken of. There was just an implication that came to me quickly here when I read and studied this text. I need to realize that people are watching me. They're watching you. I work in a prison. Prisoners watch me every day. If, if I'm grumbling in the day, it doesn't do one bit of things. They They need at least a kind word, something other than the norm. And, and sometimes it's not hard my day. I feel like I would go otherwise. But part of the ministry of being there is something like this. A kind word goes a long way. And you need to be responsive always to realize, I don't know who I'm going to run through in the course of the day. But, but it might impact them for the future. So we need to be aware of this. God has us in the places that we are so that we can be a light for the gospel. So it's like a VBS thing. God needs to use us in the places that we are to influence others for the kingdom of God. And shining the light of Christ can come in many forms that opens the door to the message of the gospel, of Jesus Christ's death for us, his resurrection for us, eternal life that is in him. Paul was certainly gospeling as he was in the prison. And it's not surprising that it was having an impact. This is important for the Philippians. If you're in chapter 1 you can look down at 29 and 30. Paul was talking to them about their situation. So notice, Paul is suffering. The gospel is going forth in the midst of suffering. Notice who he's writing to. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is a sufferer writing to sufferers. And what he's encouraging them with the first news of the day is this. The gospel doesn't stop being effective because you somehow are going through a period of suffering. In fact, maybe to the contrary, it might be the very means that God uses to spread the gospel. Have you ever heard someone come up to you and tell you something like, boy, the time I grew the most in my Christian life was, and then you can almost finish that sentence. I have rarely, in fact, probably I could almost say never, but I have to think hard. Almost never heard anyone come up and say, the time when things were the best for me, I just grew so deeply in the Lord during that season of time. Uh, now, uh, I don't cruise often. In fact, I haven't cruised for many years at this point. I need one. It sounds like one wonderful idea. The one thing I do on a cruise is I just breathe. So they have all these activities. Uh, My activity is this. I like to get relaxed, and then I like to find one of those lounge chairs, and I take a stack of books I've been wanting to read, and I just sit down and start devouring the pages. There's just something about uh, totally no distraction of time. I just have lost time. You can eat whenever you want. (laughs) So there's no such thing as a meal schedule. And being able to sit down and say this, I've been wanting to dive into these books forever and I just start and usually it's a little slow reading at first and then it's just pages and pages. I, I love the process, but I can truly say this, I didn't grow in the Lord more in those times than I do in the times when I desperately needed the Lord for some hardship. And the Lord was faithful through the time and then and, and in the end, when the Lord showed himself strong and faithful, I then look back at it and say, Lord, I wouldn't have ever seen that as a blessing in the midst of it. But now I realize, you drew me to yourself. You, you matured me in Christ in ways there that wouldn't have happened had I not gone through the hardship. What Paul is saying to these sufferers is this, Jesus Christ will be magnified through what he's doing in your life. If you are living in Christ, because Christ is bigger than this. In fact, he loves to transform suffering into blessing. And Paul is suffering, and they are going through similar suffering. I think there's at least encouragement here for us in this regard. Nothing that comes to us doesn't first pass through the hands of our Heavenly Father, who works all things for the good of those who love him. And are called according to his purpose. That all things is a big category. That you can put your life in there and realize. God doesn't stop working out the gospel. Because hardship comes. Sometimes it's the means by which he uses and refines. And enhances the gospel in your life. The very fact that you are not falling apart. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about all the things that are happening to us who have this precious treasure in these jars of clay. But his argument is this, even though all these hardships come, they're not out undoing because of Christ. Somehow holding in through that time and knowing Jesus is worth it all speaks volumes about the treasure that is our Lord and Savior Jesus. Imprisonment has not stopped the true Lord of all from spreading his gospel. If you don't see some irony here, the imperial guard is spreading the gospel. That's a hoot. <laughs> if you were to say, who's probably going to be talking up this Jewish Jesus, it just wouldn't have been him. But what's happening is God is using the foolish things of the world, the shame, the wise, even the means by which he's spreading the gospel. Uh, It is funny indeed. Second, news of the day. Paul is enduring very mixed motives as people are dealing with him. And he wants them to know that this is happening. It's part of the joy of this text. Notice again in verse 11 and following, 15, 16, 17. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. That's an oddity. But others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Don't miss that. Paul is sitting in prison saying this. There are people out there who are mocking me and mocking Jesus. And they're talking about the foolishness of what that Paul preaches. And people are hearing the gospel. Now, this is challenging. This is really challenging. I work in, in a prison as I mentioned. This is as pluralistic as it gets in that, I mean, religious worldviews are everywhere and they're. Uh, mostly uh, a mixture of many different things. So there's hardly ever a time that you hear anybody say, I'm this, and then truly what they then state is purely that. It's a mix of this and that and this and that. Uh, uh, a hodgepodge more than any clear uh, vision at all. I hear it all the time. And then what's hard is this. I begin to fret about it, as if somehow because everything's not being said right, Somehow Christ can't do anything with that, or, or, or as if I have to at that moment correct every single thing that's said that's incorrect. God can take the foolish things of the world to serve His purpose. And the, the joy here is this even the mockers of the gospel, we're talking about the gospel. Can you imagine someday, possibly, Paul would see in heaven people that had mocked the gospel? other people who heard that and got saved by that gospel. Now, that'd be a hoot. When people are talking about Jesus, what that does is stirs opinion. What do you think about Jesus? What do you think about that Jesus that this person is mocking? Uh, To think that God is not powerful enough to use that to stir somebody's mind to think, you know, what do I think about Jesus? Do I stand here or do I stand there? And Paul has such confidence in the spirit of God doing his good work that the mere fact that Jesus was being talked about caused him to rejoice. Now, this is really interesting. He didn't say they got all the points right. He didn't say they even had to get all the points right. He said this, they're talking Jesus all over the place. And it's stirring people. And in light of that, I'm rejoicing because Jesus is being preached. You see, eventually someone will talk to someone about the core issues of Christianity if Jesus is being talked about. The crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus are right at the heart of the gospel. What do you mean that Jesus? Well, he said that he died for sinners on the cross. Without him, there's no salvation. He even claimed that he rose again on the third day. And they could be mocking Paul to death. And Paul says, in hearing the gospel, people are responding to the gospel more than this. The great God who saves people is saving through the mouth of mockers. Praise God. Praise God. I find it challenging here to just simply say, in my own life, do I rejoice? Sometimes I've always wondered to see when there's presentations of Jesus that you say to yourself, there's so much extra baggage in this movement or that movement. How could God possibly be saving them? Uh, unless they utterly denied the core elements of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God loves to save people. Jesus Christ is the son of God sent from heaven to die on Calvary's cross for sinners. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The one who rose from the dead is Lord of all and King of all. Repent and trust in Him. You'll receive the forgiveness of your sins and eternal life in His name. You know, there could be a lot of other baggage that would say that this is skewed and this is skewed and this is skewed. If those parts are in there, God can actually work in amazing ways to save people. Think of, who shared the gospel with you? How well did they do? It isn't based on how well they did, but how powerful God is and how much he loves to save sinners through the news of Jesus Christ crucified, and risen from the dead. By the way, that should make you relax a bit. You don't have to get it all right. Just talk of him. Speak of him. Maybe your part just fills in the part that someone else missed when they try to talk of him. But Jesus Christ being spoken of should give all of us joy knowing this. The saving king who conquered the grave is still raising people from the dead and bringing them to life because of Jesus Christ and this wonderful gospel. It's no wonder God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Well, I would probably say, Listen, this, this idea of opponents. Spreading the gospel doesn't set well with me. Let's take that out of the plan. God said, oh no. No." (laughs) This is going to bring glory to me because Paul's going to write about it. It's going to end up in the Bible. It's going to end up going throughout the ages of the church to say this. Look at how God spread his gospel then. If he can do it then, how dare we think God still isn't about spreading his wonderful word. Uh, I don't know who provided the books that were out on the table. Out here, I got one when I visited here ages ago. Whoever it was, I just want to thank you. Uh, that book on the heart of Jesus Christ, I just mulled over it and chewed it and loved it and enjoyed it and reread it because what it does is challenges us to realize this. God's bent, his, his heart to redeem. It, it's so full of passion toward us that it's almost as if he removes every obstacle, actually turns obstacles to his good, so that his heart can get to us, which is to save sinners. Oh, the joyous heart of the Lord in reaching out to us to save us. Paul is sitting in jail saying this, isn't God good? Isn't his might to be wondered at? The last news of the day has to do with Paul's deliverance Paul says this in the third part, to live is Christ, to die is gain, and deliverance is sure. He says in 17 and following, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope. That I will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I almost want to jump at the end and just stand there for 20 minutes. Let me at least notice one thing coming into this text. Notice what Paul says. Your prayers made a difference. Boy, I went right past it. In fact, when I first studied this text, I just went right past that because I was so anxious to get into this last part. Do your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You talk about something that should encourage us to intercede for others. Paul here just says clearly, your Prayers made a difference in this way. In fact, I think the two of these are probably tied that the ministry from the Spirit of Jesus Christ came from them praying. This is the very answer to their prayers. Your prayers and the help that came from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Uh, This is a package deal. It's the means by which God brings blessing. Even now as Pastor Dan is not here, Pray that God will bless him, refresh him, rejuvenate him, give him a a new vision for the future, Uh, give him strength. Uh, When your pastor's away every time he is, what you should do is ask God, Lord, just strengthen him, Uh, give him a new resolve, invigorate him, help him. Uh, What what that does, each, each time that's the case, knowing that the church is interceding in a fresh way. Uh, What does God want to do in Granville? Boy, I look at you. I'm excited about this church. Y'all are very receptive to the word of God every time that I'm here. And I I see the growth that's happened here in the church over the time. It's exciting. I don't know what God has for you in the future. I'd be excited to pray about that. Because God uses that to actually bring about the very things he's already planned. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. And he brings us about, ask we pray. The joy of praying is this. We're asking God to do the very things that his heart is inclined to do. The joy is this. The Spirit of God answers. Paul was saying this, I come in that confidence knowing this, my deliverance is sure. Now, Paul doesn't know what his ultimate deliverance is going to be. So imagine being in prison and realizing this. I don't know how long my ministry is going to last. He goes on after this and actually expresses confidence that he, he would even likely see their face again, that God would give him some joy to remain. And minister among them. But notice his confidence isn't in one or the other, it's this. Either one is going to read to a great end. To live as Christ. If I either live on, more ministry, more opportunity, more things to do, more spread of the gospel, if more of the Imperial Guard talks about Jesus, well, if living on means that, I'm good. But don't miss. Paul transitioning to his own personal desire. It would be like this. It was just up to me. <laughs> words, if I didn't have to think about Christ and the whole kingdom and where that all played, if it was just up to me. The die. It's game. It's game. I remember sitting in class under Dr. Sproul was he- This passage, I could still see him animate, just there's times when he really can. This was one of those days I still remember. He said, (laughs) Preacher (laughs) boys. If you get older this, it'll make a difference. It'll make a difference in your ministry. It'll make a difference in your congregation. We don't believe that to die is gay. Did it would change the way that we live? Uh I won't do seminary again. I really do. Uh, For days like that, you'll forget. So I challenge you that way and say this if we believe this, it would get down into our bloodstream and change the way that we do the living. Because the dying doesn't have the teeth it had before. It doesn't hold the fear that it had before because Jesus has conquered it. The dying process still is a part of the ugliness of the fall. Paul still calls it an enemy when he says the last enemy to put on is death. But listen, it has been utterly transformed by the gospel in the same way that suffering has been transformed by the gospel as hardship has been transformed by the gospel. All of these become refining agents that actually work for the glory of God and the manifestation of the beauty of Jesus Christ in a greater way. To die is gain. I want to get this in me while I still feel pretty good. Because when I'm going through the throes of death, my body will argue against this. But to close my eyes in death at the last is going to be this. It's gain. Paul says we'll look back at light and momentary afflictions that produced in us an eternal wake of glory and the day of completion and see them in a radically new light. And on that day, when completion comes, the presence of the Lord. See, it's not to live as Christ and to die as something else. It's more of Christ. What thrills Paul is this being with Christ thrills my heart. To live as Christ, to die is gain. The reason I think this is important, hearing this from Paul, is in 2 Corinthians when Paul talks about his. Sufferings that he went through for the sake of the gospel. Uh, Paul talks in the second person as if he's talking about another person. I know a man. But in that circumstance, he talks about whether in the body, out of the body, I don't know. He was caught up to paradise. Now, the irony is this. He knew what he was talking about. To die his game The fearlessness of his missionary endeavor was highly based on this. Been there, done that. And I'd rather be there by far. If we could get a hold of that, think of the difference it would make in our life and in our facing of death. Sometimes I think we face death almost as if we could do anything to keep it over there. Just over there. And really, it, it's an end. The Bible calls it that. But the reality of it is the end of the dying process is the entrance into a never-dying-again process of the unfolding of eternal life in the presence of Christ. The eternal unfolding even involves the resurrection of our bodies, likened to his glorious body one day. It'd almost be like it's not over yet. The intermediate state gives way to the full transformation, and one day we will be like him in all ways. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Oh. Heaven and earth renewed, glorious future. Here's what I want you to see. I'm sure in the newspaper, if you were hearing the news of the day, that'd be in big, bold font. Probably a head on, live Christ, die, said, If we could get that in a, here's the key. Paul starts his letter here. Why? If they were facing death. They were facing hardship. They were going through jailing and persecution. And what's he want them to know? Jesus has so conquered it for you that if you face it, death is gain. Fear not, O feeble ones. Death is gain. Jesus Christ, the conqueror of death, has conquered it and placed your name in his victory. What a joy in this introductory I learned this morning as I was coming up from the steps that the ladies had already studied Philippians We'll just call this a refresher course. Notice how much Paul talks about in this, and in this, I will rejoice. Lord, what a way to rejoice knowing this! I need to remind myself of the core message of the gospel over and over. And over. Jesus has already died for my sins according to the scriptures. I am his, bought with a price. Jesus has risen and is risen. My future doesn't stop at death, it starts. There's a new beginning, a new day entering into a new bliss of eternal life in the presence of the Lord and without the presence of sin. For all of my pains, the thing that ails me the most is my sin. And on that day, sinning will be done. To die is gain. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, who is able to handle such things? Thank you that we have this letter from Paul. While he was enduring the hardship of prison and could not get past his introduction without Rejoicing in what you have done and how it changes everything. Lord, I pray that you would help us get this deep down into the marrow of our being so that we would know what it means to reflect back to you the truth of your good news that you have breathed over us when you brought us to life. And now, Lord, uh, let us then Take the logical conclusion of that good news future and realize this. Death doesn't hold its ultimate sway over us in the same way it ever did. One day in the fullness of time, it will utterly be crushed under the feet of him who came out of the tomb. And on that day, death will be no more. Even now, to die is gain. Lord, help us in our faith to seize Christ to live for him in all of our days knowing that there is no losing scenario for those who are in Jesus Christ. Lord, may our living and our dying say amen to your gospel. May we highlight Jesus Christ in our feeble lives these jars of clay. To God be the glory. We pray for this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.